0: he turns he fires for the win he's got the bucket at the buzzer
1: We're back to bibby has the open shot and yes! ladies and gentlemen up on those feet put those hands together and we'll meet tonight starting five for your...
0: Welcome into the King's Beat podcast. I am James Ham, your Kings insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me,
1: ABC 10's Sean Cunningham. Sean, what's going on? Merry Christmas, James. Look at you back in the holiday spirit. I wish I had some like lights or something around me to, to bring out my Christmas spirit. But yeah, three days off uh, coming into the next Kings game on the twenty sixth against Memphis. It's kind of a nice little reprieve and a nice little Christmas gift. This might be uh, a nice way of the NBA saying, here you go, Sacramento. You deserve this.
0: Yeah, here you go, Sacramento. We're going to make you play all the games that you're not going to win because you don't have any players. But we'll give you three days off for Christmas because, heaven forbid, we don't want to put you on TV. <laughs> right. right. We don't want that. With that nobody needs to see that. Um, <laughs> Sean, uh, we're, we're coming off a, a pair of losses. Uh, but. We're kind of at that stage where it's not that we don't care about wins and losses, but this team's just limping through, trying to get through this COVID outbreak. And it's, it's been absolutely uh, horrific on these guys. And we're still down seven players. We're down, um, you know, Alvin Gentry and Mike Longabardi. We were just, before we got on here, Sean and I were going through, there's a story um, on ESPN, which you have to pay for, I believe. Um, and they tried to get Sean to sign up for like, they wanted his, his social security number.
1: And Those like, scoundrels, sc- I already subscribe, I already subscribe. And they're like, Hey, why don't you pay for the whole next year? And then there's like <laughs> no way to work around it. So I'm like, what if I just hit the back button? I did just log in for crying out loud. And then there's the story. So if, if, if you get frustrated, like I just did hit the back button, you'll be fine. Just hit the back button. I, I think it was a, it was an interesting story. Basically, yeah. it goes
0: through and it tells some of the story of what happened behind the scenes with the Kings and uh, they're down both of their equipment managers They had to bring in new players and no one knew how to put names on the back of Jersey Sean Sean with the brilliant idea just bring it to the team store those guys will do it.
1: Yeah, they do. They do fine stitch work over there. They can make it work.
0: They, yeah, they will. Um, and and so I, I think it's just, yeah, just have it printed out on that the big giant screen where you choose what jersey you want and all that. Just print one out. That's fine. Just print one out. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. it's just uh, Audi. Uh, is it Audi Murky and Emmanuel Mudiay? We're we're gonna get into that and a few once Sean silences his phone.
1: Um, My bad. That's a fine
0: (laughs) time to run a lap. Um. Oh wait bradley Beal enters the health and safety protocols we and he just played where that. where was we, he gonna play we didn't predict that did we
1: no, that, no.
0: yeah yeah uh, sean we did yeah,
1: well we did and then you, you saw what the, what's happening the warriors and i was worried about that going down there with friends of mine who you know were yeah on my you know it was on my birthday i think we told the story and was down there taking it as a spectator and uh uh, you know i had friends or they never seen steph curry play before and i'm like oh they just played the, they're gonna they're gonna play the kings i was like well they, they're coming back from toronto okay this this hopefully bodes well and then you had wiggins go out and then you had jordan pool go out i think that was the order in which they went out for covid yeah. protocols and uh the whole time i'm thinking man can you imagine we're driving down there and oh uh, steph curry's out and unfortunately that didn't happen um but I mean, gosh, now they just played the Kings.
0: Lee (laughs) went out the next night. And so now we have to worry about the remaining like four players that the Kings have that they may have been exposed, uh, during play uh, while playing the Warriors, if they hadn't already been exposed by the litany of, of, uh, teammates that already had it. The same thing with Nemeas, Nemeas, uh, went out later than everybody else, but that also means that he was sitting there on the bench. He was working with his teammates, touching the same, set of of basketballs um you know so there's very high likelihood that we could see a second wave in sacramento so we could get one group back and then the other group goes and sits out for a week um so uh let's start there sean let's start there well let's start with this number one uh make sure you're subscribing to the king's beat Uh, make sure if you can jump on for a paid subscription paid subscriptions get an invite to the virtual happy hour, uh, which is what are we calling it? The uh, off the record with the Kings beat happy hour, uh, episode two, uh, which will come at you on January 6th, which is Thursday from five thirty seven. 37. Um, it's a lot of craziness where maybe, I, I don't know, Sean, maybe we could tell the Jason Jones losing his. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know if we should do that. <laughs> I don't know if we should do that. <laughs> uh yeah we've been through some some wars uh trying to you know keep the peace that's all we're trying to do keep the peace
1: we all we all have our moments right we all have our we all have oh yeah yeah james
0: james lost his his (laughs) shiz one night uh yeah
1: that's a good one
0: uh that is a good one maybe i'll tell that i'll tell that on the king's uh beat happy hour when uh when yeah i yeah i let a few people have it uh, yeah, that's it. That's actually, that's a good one, Sean. I, we need to pencil that down as something we'll talk about on the Kings beat happy hour. The, I can't night, wait. the night that James literally like almost had to like, have like the arm, the uh, blood pressure cuff put on him. And like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I blew my top. Uh Yeah. I, I'm a redhead. I mean, that happens. Uh, I do. I do run a little hot sometimes. Um, Okay. So let's get back to it. Uh Make sure to subscribe to the Kings beat. I also hop on subscribe to the YouTube channel. We get some really cool stuff upcoming. Um, We're talking about like a discord channel and some cool stuff that we're going to start doing with that. Um, All kinds of exciting new stuff coming to the Kings beat. Um, So, so jump on Um, Sean, the Kings are are scrambling here and they're signing guys uh, like we're up to three players, but we don't know if we're done yet or not. Uh, We also don't know when players are going to start coming back from COVID protocol. I I think it's very possible, especially with the league changing rules that we could see that tomorrow. We could see it the next day, even though the Kings aren't playing, we might get word that they're going to be allowed back to practice. um, And then ramping up for Sunday. I think by Sunday we're well over a week for almost every single player. We're into like 10 days for a lot of these players I think we will see players back on the floor on Sunday. Just what are your, what are your thoughts? How do you think that we'll see players back?
1: Well, I wonder about that because usually it was the whole 10 day quarantine, but it's still, as we were talking uh, before we came on a lot of the, every, all these players still have to test every single day. So if you go away to be away from the team, um, you know, you're still showing up to, you know, in your car, literally to get a swab to drive
0: through a drive through a a car. Yeah. And- they roll make sure the players they're... roll down a window and they reach in swab. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not watching You're, the YouTube you're welcome,
1: video, YouTube. You know it was a swab.
0: <laughs> That's in your nose. It's all over. Yeah. Uh and then uh, they like zip up the window real quick, like, go, go.
1: Which I think is, I mean, I get it. I get it. Someone's got it. And you've you've brought back all these tests and your days into it. Like sometimes I'd just be like, I, like I would feel like just leave them alone. Let them just. Let them take a few days, whatever it is. I get it. You still want to test them every single day. This is a business. I, I get it. Um, but yeah, you're testing every single day. So uh, as we even heard, if it's going to be ten days, if it's going to be six days, if you're if you keep testing positive, then what? You know what what happens then? I mean, I know to share a story. I think a, I I shared a story um, that I did earlier this was it this year? Yeah, this earlier this year on Cody Garbrandt. Uh, the UFC fighter, former bantamweight champion, he got COVID in September, October ish of, two, of 2020. He couldn't produce a negative test until the following February, James, and he had all sorts of problems. Um, and they, they, he's what was known as the COVID long hauler. And, you know, he's one of the most conditioned athletes on the planet. So, uh, fortunately, um, that hopefully doesn't look to be the case for the, for the Sacramento Kings. I think we'll find that out. But to your question, James, about like, am I expecting players back? Sure. I think Alvin is the one you're going to expect back because you're not going to see Alvin running up and down the court. Uh, All he has to do is basically return to the regular rigors of being an NBA head coach. And I think that's something that's positive. Should he be able to produce that negative test as for players? I don't know. I mean, I think there's some players you might see, um, but I also think especially since we're hearing so many of their symptoms have been relatively mild um, that they haven't really uh, experienced a full bore of, of, of tough luck or certainly no hospitalizations. So that's a good thing. So uh, some of these guys are, are having it for the second time, uh, you know, yeah. Fox, Alex Len, Marvin Bagley. So uh, in, in, in going through that, what does that look like? What's, I mean, we heard Doug Christie just yesterday and he was relating it to Rashawn Holmes who made his, re- his return back. Um, when yeah, you're forty eight hours away from a game, like you 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 all of a sudden just fall out of basketball shape. I think he was being a little facetious, but it is true, like you're winded and you're running and all that thing, all the stuff that they do it it does kind of take a toll now. I don't know if it'll take a toll on a guy like De'Aaron Fox, who's a smaller guard, who's relatively quick and very small, and someone like Davion Mitchell, but some of the bigs like an Alex Lynn, a Marvin Bagley, maybe, you know, even to me at a certain point, maybe it'll have more of an effect on them. That's just pure speculation on my part. But I could see, I remember when De'Aaron came back from COVID last time. It's it not like he was weeks, dude. It, yeah, weeks he, for was him out, to, to he was out. He was out. Negative of tests. He
0: couldn't get a negative test. Like the viral load right. was too high.
1: Right. So, so if, yeah, I mean, so if, it took that's what, way longer. It, and James, if that's what we're dealing with, then, you know, buckle up. I mean, that's it, I, I say that because we just heard that about 15 times in that Baxter Holmes piece, but on ESPN Plus. But yes, I mean, it's it's definitely a concern when you're going to get these guys back. And I do think, you know, you've got three guys that are signed to 10 day contracts right now, not just your G League, you know, two ways or anything like that. Like, we're literally talking guys off the street. Hardships. Who, who, yeah, hardships. Ten day contracts. So, uh, two of them just came, just signed a day or two ago. And that, as you mentioned, with uh, A Day Murky Murkey and uh, Emmanuel Moody. Uh, Justin Robinson, I think his ten day will hit next Tuesday. I believe I could be wrong. I might have my math wrong, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they're expecting. Hey, here's the ten day. Here's your negative test. Okay, now go back out there. I think there's going I think they might take their time with it, make sure that their conditioning is right, and and, and kind of slow play it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, we saw uh, Rashawn Holmes come back from injury. And again, the eye laceration. I think people who didn't listen to any of the press conference afterwards or didn't see any of the clips, he said he, don't, he doesn't think he'll ever play again without goggles on, uh, which I thought that that was a pretty crazy statement. But um, I, I asked him afterwards, are you having any blurry vision or anything? He goes, yeah, I'm having all kinds of stuff. Like I'm having pain. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Um, you know, like, but I wanted to get out here and play, uh, and then he only played 17 minutes. And I think it's because he just like Doug saw that he didn't really have it yet. And he needs a practice or two. They might get a practice in here in the next couple of days, but they're not going to do media between now and Christmas, which Sean and I may have disagreed on (laughs) a little bit behind the scenes, but not because... Sean like m- wanted to go to practice, but you needed some stuff, right?
1: It's a, well, it's the principle. You're having a you're, yeah. if you're having a practice, there needs to be a media availability. That's just the way the that's just the way the rules are. And I agree. I'm sorry, they've uh, I don't give a damn if it's Christmas or not. Like if you're practicing, there needs to be a media availability. What if some you know, too many things can happen. There you have to be on site. That's what how we're covering the NBA works.
0: Yeah, my my problem, the only problem I have with it, I mean, maybe they could have done a Zoom practice for us. Um, but like, they are still in an outbreak. And like, whether or not these guys are healthy or not, and we're talking about having a, a scrum where you're six to eight feet away. And the last thing, m- my only like disagreement with Sean in this situation was, I, I really, well, I-, I just told him I-, I would not show up on Christmas Eve. Uh, because my concern was that I would potentially get COVID from them. And then pass it to family members over the next two days, uh, like a, as we're celebra- celebrating the holidays. So, in a normal situation, I would be there, but in a overwhelming COVID situation, um, I'm I'm just a little leery because I, I mean we we talked about. I mean,
1: we're we're all a little leery going into the building. I, what I would say is, yeah, you protect yourself, and again, uh, they could put it. We're in a corner of the gym. Yep. Far away from everybody. And if you want to get rid of the scrum, that's great. I've got a boom pole that ever, that all the people are supposed yeah. to have anyway, or just bring them into the interview room where yeah. we are anywhere we're distance. Like that's not again, whatever the protocols are, that's great. But there needs to be an availability if you're having practice and that's just no, the, you know, I,
0: I understand. I understand what you're saying. And, and I don't, it's not that I disagree with you. I, I just, yeah. you know, for my own, like, because I know that they, they, they weren't going to jump through all the hoops if they were going to do it. And then we're going to be in a situation that's a little uncomfortable. And and so I I hope that we're going to get through this situation pretty quickly. Uh, But again, I think the problem is that you still have like eight players who didn't just get it. And I'll even point out like Terrence Davis had COVID in September. Mm -hmm. And so now here we are uh, just a, you know, like a, a couple of months later and he's got it again. Well, we assume he's got it. I mean, he's in COVID protocols. So something's going on, you know, while he's in health and safety protocols. So I'm going to assume that, yes, he does, um, you know, but that's kind of where we're at. Like the new variants and all that, they, like everything is changing on a daily basis. And I don't think anything is 100% fail proof. Um, but uh, Sean, these players that are coming in, like I, I think we're, we're, tough on justin robinson just because it wasn't very good like what we no. were seeing was not very good at all um we got to see emmanuel Mudiay, which we do have like this incredible emmanuel Mudiay uh story that like <laughs> that sean and i were uh were around when the kings didn't draft emmanuel Mudiay, and actually uh, Vladimir Vats decided to ask us after they drafted Willie Cauley Stein. What do you think? He came out. He goes. He he did his thing. Where cameras go off. He goes. Well, guys, what do you think? Are are you muted? I uh, muted because
1: I had to sneeze. You had to sneeze. <laughs> and and Sean goes, just he,
0: pops off at Vlade. Like, come goes, on now. He goes, Vlade.
1: How, he goes. He goes. How'd I do? I, and I just kind of shook my head. And I said, not well. <laughs> no, bueno <laughs> dude. Mean? And it wasn't just me. Jason was in there too. And I'll never forget because Aileen kind of threw me under the bus. She goes, well, Sean thinks. And I said, I said, yeah, man. I was like, I was like, and again, this was at a time where we needed a point guard, like, and, and, and trust me, I'm all for best player available, but that wasn't Willie Colley Stein. And I was high on Moutier, not so much because of Moutier as a player per se, but a six, five point guard, when you need a point guard and you have, Rajon Rondo, who might be able to develop a point guard. I said, you don't need another big. I was big on Justice Winslow. I was like, get Justice Winslow. You know, yeah, I said, if you want a, they needed one then. I, I said, if you need it, if you wanted a big get Miles Turner. I said, I said, he's, he's got the most upside of any of these guys. I said, you already know what Willie Colley Stein is. You don't need him. <laughs> and it was you at know, a time
0: where that was, it was a George Carl era. That was, uh, it was Vlade's first draft. So basically the way that worked was um, George got hired for the last, I don't know. What was it? Michael Malone coached uh, to what? 11 and 13 is so that's 24. Mm-hmm. And then um, seven and 11, I think. No, no. It was much worse than that. 11 and for 20? Ty Corbin.
1: It was worse. Yeah. It was, yeah. I don't have it in front of me, but So yeah, we yeah. get
0: to the end of the season, like 30 games of George Carl. I know for a fact that George Carl and his staff were all over Willie Colley Stein because they wanted a rim runner. And George also wanted to trade DeMarcus cousins, Uh, but yeah, but he wanted a rim runner and that's what Willie was.
1: And, and again, like you draft, you drafted Willie at a time when, again, you didn't really need him because you had the all-star center and you had someone like Costa Kufis in there and you had all these different, yeah, I think they still had Costa at that time. It just got him in that first year. Um, but at any rate, I'm, I, I, a lot of these years are, are meshing together. But you, the point is, as Vladi came in and the three of the first four draft picks he had were 6'10", 6'11", or taller. And it's yeah. like, and you had DeMarcus Cousins like in his prime. So what are you doing? Um, wasn't it, it didn't make a lot of sense. I was like, if you if that's what you're looking at, then trade the pick. Like there's so many things you could do. If you don't like, <clears throat> excuse me, if you don't like Moutier, fantastic. Don't like Moutier. Like, but again, there were other there were other guards around there. Trade the pick, like get some flexibility. You don't have to draft Willie Collie Stein. Um, there was no upside there. I, he, I mean, he did to his credit, like he did get better. Like he he got better. He developed a little bit more of a shot. Um, but then, as you pointed out, James in a previous podcast, the the minute he sliced open his finger on the rim in Mexico City, he wasn't doing that again. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't he wasn't going he wasn't going for boards, which he was never really a good rebounder anyway but he was never really going to go for boards. He was never really going to try to block shots like that again. He could always make those instinctive plays, but the ones he had to think about, he'd be like, nah, I'll make a business decision. And, you know, I don't, I don't look, I don't blame Blotty. He was his, his, his balls on the line, so to speak. So I'll I'll let him speak for himself. But yeah, I told him, I was like, and Jason Jones agreed with me. He's like, yeah, you have needed a point guard for how many years? And uh, we, we kind of thought you might go point guard in this draft. So.
0: And what was his reasoning?
1: I I can't exactly, I think he thought that he, he just thought Willie was the best case of best player available. He thought that no. uh, he wanted that. He, he, I remember him telling me at one point, he thought he was the best player available and he thought that the guy could be an all like all world defender. And but he I also
0: disagreed. said that he didn't want to work out for me. So I don't want to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that part. Yes. Yeah. That's, but, a, that's said, a big issue. He, uh, it's Moutier, huge. Didn't want to come in and work out for the Kings, and so lot. I didn't want to draft him, and right and and you just gave a really your playbook. Yeah, that's a really really bad standard to sit uh, set, um, but I'll also say like look. Uh, and by the way,
1: for people who don't know, Steph Curry never worked out for the Warriors. Never. Yeah. So how that so work
0: the out? way that the, that whole work uh, that the whole situation worked out it was between uh, George's first little stint and then the one season where he was the head coach the whole time. During that offseason, he did try to trade Demarcus Cousins, and that's where we got the snake in the grass emoji. Then we fast forward, they trade Jason Thompson, Carl Landry, and Nick Stauskas, uh, and a future first round pick for air to the
1: for Philadelphia
0: air. for the Philadelphia 76ers. For handlebars. Um, and-
1: you know what that, that that there's a there's an expression for that in the mortgage industry when you have a prepayment penalty or something like that for somebody who pays off their loan or refinances or whatever you put the, that that's called putting them with handlebars you put handlebars on it because then now all of a sudden you can't you're not as flexible as you once were uh, and there are ramifications that come with it and that's all you did you put handlebars in your organization for their draft picks for the next 4 or whatever years now granted as you're about to point out it did sort of work out in their favor things kind of worked out but again it wasn't the most manageable of situations in the years that they did it
0: no i wasn't going there because oh. i mean we we've gone through that my my yeah. point was that once they made that trade and dumped all that salary, that's when they signed Rondo, Costa Kufis, and Marco Bellinelli in the same offseason. Um, and so they even they drafted Willie and then went and got Costa, who was right. George's center on the Nuggets roster. So if you didn't see that they were trying to trade DeMarcus Cousins, I, I don't and then didn't they come back the next year and draft uh Yorgos Papianas? They did. The, they the Papaji. did yeah they did so some confusion about uh the direction that the nba was heading and how many centers you play per night uh seemed to be one of the issues at play but also that mudier decided to uh give vlade the well i'll say mudier and his agent decided to give vlade the bird and not come
1: mm-hmm. uh
0: come in and play and didn't mudier isn't he the one that instead of playing here he went to China and yes played? yeah he yeah. played
1: overseas for years yeah. uh, for a year and and the other part of that too is um they had Nancy Lieberman on the staff and Nancy Lieberman knew Moutier since he was like 12 years old out of, of the Dallas she area did. of course she did right yeah he
0: actually birthed <laughs> Emmanuel Moutier, <laughs> her and We're Dr. John fun. Hopkins. Yes, <laughs>
1: if 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 you're not if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Nancy Lieberman over the course of this podcast, that we've revealed how she knows everybody and name drops everybody, and yeah, uh, but yeah. but there, but it's true. <laughs> Like yeah. just, it might be a little embellished at times, but there are things that are absolutely true. And th- that one was, a, that one was a crazy truth. Like she knew that one. And she had actually worked him out several times in, uh, in Dallas. And that also became true. I was kind of blown away by that. So, uh, yeah, just the, the six degrees of Emmanuel Moody. and here he is. I mean, the guy who never really could shoot, but gets, gets points in the paint, six, five has great vision. And it was kind of fun sitting next to you at last night's game because, um, you know, he hadn't been playing this year, uh, had a decent stretch in Utah, I thought. I thought he had a pretty good stretch with the Knicks as well. And you can see how upright he is with the dribble. Doesn't keep his head down like a Bain Oudryk kind of head down dribble. And he's got some really good vision. And I thought he had – I, I there were a point where I looked at you, I said, this kid should have – he should have five assists. He's only 25 years old. Like, he just kept bricking,
0: bricking wide open <laughs> shots. <laughs> he missed
1: – everything now granted he's not a good shooter so he you know he missed as well he gets a lot of times his points in the paint layup what have you um but all his passes were beautiful and he played some pretty pretty nice defense the thing I was waiting for was like okay uh where is he in the second half and they didn't go to him and they put so much of a workload on Tyrese like I was waiting I was like okay I mean you're gonna have Tyrese play 43 minutes like okay that's fine I guess but there was a lot of pressure on Tyrese last night. And he was not good. I mean, yes, he ended up with a career-high assist, and yes, he had 22 points, but his turnovers, his decision, and we heard him after the game, he was very critical of himself. And he and I thought Doug didn't do him much favors by keeping Moudier or another ball handler on the bench. I mean, it would have been nice to just spell him for a few plays, let him go off ball you know, just just to kind of collect himself but not have to be so inundated with having to make every right decision at all times through every play of the game. And I thought they put a lot of pressure on Tyrese. And, you know, Tyrese is going to welcome it, but I think they could have saved him from himself a little bit last night.
0: Okay, so I think what we saw as soon as Moutier stepped on the floor, it was like, holy cow, they have another shot creator. It was like this horrible epiphany moment once again that this team doesn't have enough shot creators and then the fact that he didn't play in the second half i mean I, i'm confused by that as well i would have liked to have seen him and tyrese together yeah um, even if you were going to have tyrese on the court for the entire second half let him play off the ball for five possessions ten possessions let him catch his breath and and let him be an off ball shooter, which he's really really good at. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that was a, a bit of a, a snafu. With I think Doug was just trying to hold it together. He also looked at the fact that they had three days off, and like, look, I'm going to run some of these guys into the ground, um, and, and just see if we can we can hang. Uh, the other thing is the Clippers did something that was very strange. They were they were picking the Kings up like a good like seven feet before the three point line. They, they were running their big man all the way out uh, above they set the nail at the above the three- point line which yeah. I thought was absolutely crazy and it was brilliant it was but like that's something that Tyree should have been able to pick apart and that's well, the I seen assist but
1: yeah and and what we've heard so many so often is how Tyron Lewis is so brilliant in his in in adjusting gameplay and, and, and making in-game um, adjustments yep that was a brilliant move because you recognize immediately that they're putting a lot on Tyrese and Tyrese is the most frail guy out there. No offense. And you know, you're going to, you're going to rough him up. You're going to try and physical, you're going to try and take him away, especially at a time where buddy just can't hit anything. Um, And man, we've talked about how Doug has gone with longer lineups trying to find defense Uh, I think they tried to get physical and I think they were trying to rough up Tyrese quite a bit. And I think it was pretty effective to be honest.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get, there's a couple of things that Sean just brought up that I want to get to um, like very distinctly uh, when it comes to Doug and the, and the job he's done over the last five games um, when it comes to the body situation yet again. Uh, But Sean, let's just close the book on Moutier Uh, and I'll ask you this because I I think I have a, a pretty strong opinion on this. I think with like, what did he play three, four or five minutes? I think in that stretch, seven, I
1: believe. Yeah. Was it that much? I uh, think it was seven. I have it right in front of me. I was looking at it a minute ago. Oh, yeah. I lied. I closed my, I closed my window, but I do have it here. Um, yeah. Uh, Mudier played eight minutes, eight minutes, two seconds.
0: Yeah. Okay. So um, I, I thought he should have played more. I thought he should have played in the second half and I'll even go this far. The Kings have a lack of playmaking overall. I honestly believe they should waive Robert Woodard and just pick Emmanuel Moutier for up for the rest of the season. And, and I know this too, like we just saw that Daniel House just signed a, a 10-day contract with the Houston Rockets I would have picked up no, with, the Knicks, with the, with the Knicks. I mean, no, no with the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was with the Houston Rockets. They waived him so he could go someplace somewhere else he went to the Knicks on a 10 day, but the Kings were involved in that. And were trying to get him. Uh, he's a former Monty McNair player. Um, and, and these 10 day hardship contracts, you don't have to keep a guy for 10 days. You got to pay him for 10 days, but you can wave a guy and pick another guy up. If one guy doesn't work out or if one guy slips into protocol or whatever, um, you can, those things are like, they're almost like tear up contracts at this point. And like Emmanuel Moutier, we looked it up. What was he going to make? Like something crazy, like $138,000. I think it was $138,963 or something like that for 10 <laughs> this days. It's work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm in, yeah, I'm available. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. I, I'll go set a screen. Uh, I'll go sit on the end of the bench and yell and scream. Um, yeah. So. So I think that the Kings could do some other things here. I think that if house becomes available again, we could see the Kings chase him again, six foot six, small forward, built like a Mack truck can shoot the three ball three and D guy that played in Houston while Monty McNair was there. So just my opinion though, I like what I saw from Emmanuel Moutier and he's young enough. And I would say like, why not? Like you do not have enough depth right now to get through this this situation and we're going to see more of these things in my opinion um so i would oh, and we've, talk, we've talked we've consider-
1: talked about that like like a playmaker with size where especially when you're going with some of these excuse me especially when you're going with some of these three guard lineups that we've seen like having him at a wing position to be able to distribute the ball would be would be pretty nice right off the bench so yeah certainly he's, capable
0: he's like drew holiday size i mean he's a he's a good size dude I mean, he's built like that. He's big, he's thick um, as far as Moutier. And and it reminds me a little bit of like Tyreek Evans light. Yeah. You know, that's what he kind of like on the court, how he kind of plays. And I I think he's a little bit more engaged on the defensive end. Um, So that would be, what would you, would you consider that Sean?
1: I would. I think you could probably even do better depending upon how things fall out. But I think now that everyone's grabbing so many people from the G League and free agents, um, you, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be like you mentioned, James. I think this is a good point because of the hardship. You can tear them up. You can see who falls out. Maybe there's guys that um, become available along the way. <clears throat> I, I know a guy I was looking at at a one point before the Bulls picked him up under under the 10 day was was Stanley Johnson. Um, yeah. not that he's so much of a playmaker, but the guy is a very, 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 very talented player who just, for whatever reason, hasn't made it work. And I thought this could be a nice opportunity for him. Um, so that he's, he's a guy I've kind of looked at, especially for getting another, you know, small forward. I think he could maybe fit that bills, but, uh, yeah, but maybe, maybe Moudier would be a better fit. I think Daniel house is something you got to watch and see if that comes available. I think there's, that's the part I want to find out. And you might know this better than I do. James, when it comes to house is like, what's the contract? What's the money like for him in particular? Because, like, isn't it a little bit different than most players? I mean, you have the 10-day thing, but what if you sign him for the rest of the season? Um, like- part
0: of his contract it, it is picked up. Um, like, there's a, a portion that the new team pays for, um, but also he, uh, as, as long as he doesn't sign a multi-year deal, then he doesn't just get all the money. Like because he's waived, there's there's an offset. I think it's like fifty percent. So if you sign him to a two million dollar deal and he's already making like four and a half with with the Rockets, then I think there's like a million dollar offset. So the Rockets get some of the money back, and the Knicks don't have to pay as much money, and he doesn't get all of the money. So it, it's a little bit different. Um, well, but, it
1: sounds like it's it sounds like it's tough for Sacramento in that regard if they were interested.
0: Well. Yeah, but like
1: beyond I, beyond the ten day.
0: Yeah, if you don't, so the Kings could not have picked him up on waivers because the Kings don't have a salary cap uh, space to actually pick somebody up. And you know, someone said something today. Oh, this is just Vivek being cheap on Twitter. And I I, no. I responded, Hey, look, the Kings have 130 million dollar <laughs> payroll. It's the highest payroll the Kings have ever had in their history, and the NBA salary cap is I think 111 hundred and twelve million this year. So he's like 18 million over the cap. The Kings are paying. The fact that they're paying for a roster that may or may not make the playoffs is a is a whole nother uh, discussion. But specifically, Vivek isn't cheap. Vivek built, helped build the entire arena out. Uh, He he built the the giant hotel. That whole the whole Doco area. A lot of that money came directly from Vivek's pockets. Well, was- well,
1: and even, and think about even just from the basketball standpoint, like he's paid head coaches that aren't here. I mean, there's a lot of oh, adjectives. Yeah,
0: he's a lot of those. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he, there's a lot of adjectives that you can call that you can slap on Vivek Ranadive. I mean, frugal and cheap is not one of them. I mean, this guy, he look what the money he had to give to De'Aaron Fox. He did it. It's the biggest contract in King's history. I mean, there, there are things that he's done. Plus James, there's owners that during this pandemic and all the money that they've lost from a, from a, from a team standpoint, over a hundred million in the first few months. Yeah. Uh, the Kings
0: have lost a couple of hundred million. I don't know what the exact total is, but yeah, it was a hundred million in the, like the first
1: three months. And when they did a cash call, there were owners that were like, I ain't got it. Well, guess what? That covered it. So, yeah. You know, it's not, I mean, to call the guy cheap. I mean, that's completely unfair uneducated and it's just flat out wrong <laughs> i mean it's not that's not the case i did there, but there's I, a there's a lot of
0: things you could call him, but that ain't it <laughs> that ain't it i did go to his christmas party one time he's not cheap but it's just flat
1: out i, I got an invite one time and I, I i i wanted to go and i was just like uh, no, i'm not gonna I up, uh, I show up in my sneakers and hat and hoodie and they're just like, Whoa, you didn't get the memo.
0: It's <laughs> kind of close to black tie. Yeah. I got to, yeah. I think, uh, the wife and I went down, we got to Davis and it, we would already been stuck in traffic forever. We'd already been driving like a little over two hours and I hit ways to see how much further it was. And it was two and a half hours more. And we almost turned around. I'm like, and then we had to drive home. We did not get a hotel room. That was a mistake. Um, but there were like at least a hundred people on staff and then yeah and then um mc hammer showed up and started working the dj booth
1: yeah and, man he lives right down the street lives in yeah. the livermore so
0: and ron artest was there yeah it, it was it was interesting it, it was uh it was different to say the least did,
1: did you meet roger craig <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you met my friend roger craig so that's a joke around it that uh, anytime that Vivek doesn't want to talk to you, which is most of the time, because Vivek is like, he's, he's an introvert. He's not like, he doesn't, and he also doesn't want to speak to media quite a bit. Um,
1: anytime, I think that he, I do think that he is a little bit more open to that, but they don't want him to.
0: Yes. Okay. So uh, Vivek will literally like, if Roger Craig is with him, he will introduce you to Roger Craig. And then you turn back and I swear Vivek has like in the Acme hole from the cartoons where he throws out a hole in the ground and jumps through it and boom, he's gone. You're like, this dude is magical. He He's <laughs> magical, Sean. Where did he go? He's like, have you met my friend, Roger Craig? And he dissolves and run space.
1: interference. Yep.
0: Yeah. So it, it's definitely interesting. I'll say this. I was at the party um, and Vivek was walking through and you could, he kind of had his head down and he was, Like you could see how stressed out he was because this is at his house and there's so many people there. And he glanced up for a sec as he's walking through and he caught my eyes and he put his head back down and then he stopped and. Hi, how are you? And he stopped for a second and you could see that all of these people in his house, very few of them.
1: Right. There's (laughs) a lot of people who know my gate code now
0: yeah and he uh certainly you know i I think it's a little bit because i'm a redhead and there aren't that many of us but like there's an instant like oh i know you and he stopped and he said hello and he uh he met my wife and like you know he he took a breath for a sec but you could just see him wearing the stress of all these people like they're touching my stuff they're everywhere (laughs) it's like yeah man you invited them it's okay um, I don't know how we got on this subject, but I don't. I, my, I say yes my Moody. I say yes to Mudier. Sean says yes to Mudier. Maybe or someone better. Um, but uh, but I think at this point, like, why not? Like you know, you a playmaker. Yeah, and and so, so why not play Jemias Ramsey? And I said, well, because Mudier has three hundred games of experience. Well, how's jamiah supposed to get that that experience? Well, you know, to be honest with you, he's not supposed to get it. When you have seven players out with COVID and you're trying to win games, not trying to lose every game, and you've already beat the Clippers twice, you got a chance to win the season series. It's right there in front of you. It's at home. You're hoping for the best and you don't come away with it. But at the same time, you know, Ramsey can get his time at the G league level until he's more ready. Moutier gave you a better chance to win. And that's all.
1: So. And, and, and he's not a playmaker. Jamias just isn't, he's a knockdown shooter. You know, he can maybe play some defense. I think the, well, well. he hasn't. Yeah, he's missed every (laughs) shot he's taken. Uh, You know, it's crazy. I think if if I had to look at this stretch of two and three basketball, James, and maybe it's just because it's in my mind's eye, but there's probably only two people that have really stood out to me during this time that ordinarily, I mean, look, Damian Jones had probably the best game of any, of anybody who was given an opportunity in that Spurs game. And then he
0: had one game. He had one game where he was really. Yeah.
1: Tired. And I, but I would even say that I think Tristan Thompson has made the most of his minutes every time he's on the court. Um, he even hit a three and threw up three goggles the last night. That was, that was hilarious. Um, didn't so see I that think coming. no, I know I definitely didn't see that coming. I, I thought, I thought maybe. And again, maybe it's just too recent, but those are the two that have really stood out to me during this time. Um, and I thought and I know we're not out of it yet but I thought at this time a week you know a week ago I thought I was like oh maybe that might be a Jemais Ramsey you know maybe that might be somebody who is going to make the most of the opportunity and like you mentioned Shemezi has had some moments um, but, but a lot of at times, that moment towards like oh oh boy like a minus 26 I'm not a plus minus guy I'm, I'm not but when you're a minus 26 like that's kind of a leap off the page he started
0: the, the first quarter last uh last night he is one of six from the field in the first quarter and i'm i was thinking to myself number one not one of those shots was a good shot and number two in what world is Chemezi Metu get six shots in a quarter and pacing for 24 shots in a game
1: <laughs> covid maybe
0: i guess okay so but this leads us to i think the most glaring sean
1: we bury the lead
0: the guy who should have stepped up who got the opportunity to go back into the starting lineup and to be the guy that everyone thinks he, he is, is buddy healed. Mm-hmm. And we had one game where buddy was so good, but Sean, uh, that one game, it's enough to to turn Doug Christie into Alvin Gentry and Luke Walton and uh, Dave Yeager, every other coach in the last like four to five years of Sacramento Kings basketball, he fools you. He fools you. You think that you got something and then you don't. And and I don't think that there's a more frustrating player in the NBA at this point, Buddy, he'll miss his first nine shots. And so I looked it up because I'm like, how many times this year has this happened where this dude has shot them out of the gym in the first half? Buddy healed on the season is shooting 34.8% from the field in the first half. He is shooting 31.25% from three. He's taken 163s. And what are we 30 something games into the season? Um, 32 games in. So we're talking about a lot of threes per game. What is that? That's like five threes per game. That might actually work out five threes per game. And he's, not hitting and he's even worse in the first quarter. And we were looking at other splits and like De'Aaron Fox can't hit a three at all. In the second half, it's, it's like the most stunning, He's shooting 13% from three in the second half, but it's also on limited opportunities. He's like, like 46 threes. So that's not good. He's only hit like six, but the fact that he's only shot 40 something threes, that's not a big deal. We're talking about 163, Sean, how many times has he shot them out of the game? And then neon green light, he's got a neon green light. And then he catches fire in the late third quarter and early fourth. And then boom, 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 boom. Missed every shot down the stretch and shot you. You got all the way down to like three points, shot you out of the game in the final five minutes of the game. And it was brutal to watch. And oh, by the way, was so bad defensively that I was like, there is healed. no way to describe, I mean, how many times did Eric Bledsoe take him off the dribble? Like, we're not talking about superstar Eric Bledsoe that can jump out of the gym. We're talking about like worn out Eric Bledsoe that it, it should not be playing major menace, but he was because Reggie Jackson was out. What and would Reggie do? And he
1: kept he kept overplaying. Like he overplayed the defense so that I'm gonna make this steal attempt, but he's gonna go right by you. And they kept telling him, "No, buddy, just stay in front of him. Just you know, just just keep him with just you. Don't guard overplay. Your man. Don't reach. Yeah, don't reach. Don't don't force him. Once you do that, and he moves around you, like then it's then your barbecue chicken. Like if you can just stay here, you know, it's like a too much. Over... No, 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 no. Yeah, you're, you're doing too much. You're doing too. <laughs> too... Well, don't do that.
0: <laughs> that's that's not enough. No, 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 no. You got to more than that. Oh, oh, no, no, no. That, that that's too much. No, too much. Great too much. Too little. Too much. Yeah. Um, I love the
1: man is, but or, I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall is the, uh, yeah. Forgetting mm-hmm. Sarah
0: Marshall. Yeah. I, so yeah. It's so it, it's, it's so frustrating. All the Clippers did, all the Clippers did was like, they'd come up down uh, up the court and like, Hey, how are we going to switch on to buddy? How are we going to get the ball into the guy that, that buddy's defending or how am I going to get the ball to Paul George and make sure that buddy's defending him or Eric blesso or whoever, uh, Mer- uh, man just kept leaving him. Like again and again and again. Uh, so, so my point is like Doug played in 43 minutes. Um, I would have been fine with 22 minutes from Buddy Heald and, oh, wow. a, and anyone else playing, but I'll tell you this stretch where the King started to come around was when Alvin Gentry cut him back to 19 to 20 to 22 minutes. That's when the King started winning again.
1: Well, and, and- it also coincided with Alvin, I think recognizing either Buddy's got it or he doesn't. And it, that that coincided with a time where Buddy was really shooting terribly this season. Like he started off really great in the beginning of the season. And then it got to this murkiness where it was very inconsistent. And then it just went through like games, like a stretch of games where we're talking like a really bad stretch of games for Buddy Healed, where he's just not hitting and it's just affecting everything. So what Alvin did was trim the minutes. And I thought that was that was great. Um, and I thought we were gonna see a little bit of that from Doug, but maybe when you're just without so many players like he's just this is the tough part cuz i i i this is where i see as you call it kind of like the the foolishness of these coaches who get uh um oh i don't know poisoned or or, or mesmerized by yeah. Mesmer- yeah i mean like you're basically seeing buddy healed as this thing that maybe he's not i understand but when you're the sacramento kings and james you're reading off the statistics even in that, even in those stretches of how, how he hasn't been, it's still like among their better from the perimeter. Like that just shows you how not good this team is. (laughs) like, and even when this team is not good, that's like, well, he can get me back. He's, I always say, if you're going to have buddy heel on your team, he can't be your second or third. He has to be what he, what he is. It's just a catch and shoot guy, whether it's off the bench or starting, I don't really give a damn, but you just have to be able to let him do what he does and then surround him with pieces that don't allow him to do what he does, which is the bad stuff, um, you know, right? They need him as a playmaker right now. They need him to make shots. They need him for all these things. And he's playing upwards of 40 minutes a game. I thought last night, you, you, you just can't. You just can't keep riding with them. I mean, that first half, James, it was – I got it written down here. It was 1 of 12, 1 of 10 from 3, okay? And I, I think – started he finished, 0 of 9. Yeah. yeah. Started off nine, of seven from three and finished what? Five of 22, something like that. Some, yeah. I mean, it's just, you got to recognize that the guy just doesn't have it. And again, it's still a good decoy, I guess. I mean, I, I look, they were still, they were still throwing stuff at him um, defensively, but maybe you don't play him in the third. I don't know what it is. Maybe you're like, all right, buddy, you don't have it. Let's sit you out. Maybe start you with the third, see what, how that goes. You missed a couple shots. All right. Quick leash, pull you out. And we don't see you back until maybe the fourth. You can start the fourth. And if you can catch fire in the fourth, great. That's what we want. But, man, it's 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 like it's the expression you've coined, the live by the buddy, die by the buddy. But you're, you're like, delusioned by it. You have to have a, in my opinion, you have to have a, you have to have Buddy healed to have success on this team. Like, with the roster it is. You have to have him shooting. But you have to recognize if he doesn't have it. And if he doesn't have it, you've got to make your adjustment. You can't just continue to just go out there uh and last night was probably as bad as worse as as bad as we've seen now granted they're depleted they don't have a roster out there but even last night I was like okay we'll put Moody in not that Moody is gonna hit you any shots maybe go to Jamias Ramsey in some stretches not I mean he's capable of hitting shots he just hasn't um and to hear Doug kind of double down on it last night um I thought was a little odd he said no he was still the best shooter in the gym he just missed shots and I said okay
0: You know what, uh, Sean, the, um, I I have, uh, one of my, my mom's cousins, her, her husband who just passed away, I think last year, uh, he he was older. He would carve, um, wooden ducks like, and they were like masterpieces. Right. So he would, uh, like literally by hand, he would carve like full fledged decoy ducks and then paint them, hand paint them. And they like, I think he sold them. I think they were like 250 bucks a piece in, like the, in the early 90s. They're like pieces of art, right? You know what? None of those ever did. They never got up and flew away. A, a decoy is a decoy. And I keep hearing this term decoy when it comes to Buddy healed. A decoy doesn't shoot the ball 22 times and, and hit five shots. That That's no longer a decoy. It's an inefficient player who is literally costing you the game. And so while I get it that the thought of Buddy Healed is enticing, like he at some point he does have to actually do the job. Like and and the other thing, Sean, I'll point out too. This is there's another hidden stat here. And it is that in games that are less than five points this season. Buddy Hield is 62 for 195 from the field. He's shooting 31.8% from the field in games that are less than five points. Either way, up, down, whatever it is. That's crazy, right? He's shooting 29.7% from three in those games. In games that are greater than 10 points or more, he shoots 44.2% from, the, from three and 43.7% from the field he's perfectly fine when there is no pressure and you're literally getting your ass kicked. And most of the time, the problem is that you're getting your ass kicked because he just did the 29.7% in the first half and he shot you out of the game. And so,
1: yeah, but I would also argue, I mean, if you looked at the numbers of the other players, they're going to be down too. you know what I mean? Like they're not going to, it's going to, and again, I know it's different because that's buddy healed. He's supposed to be this much better shooter. But that's just, to me, it's more of a flaw in the way that the Kings are built as opposed to really hammering down on Buddy. Like, yeah. Buddy's the one guy that you know what you're going to get night in, night out. If the shot's there, the shot's there, and it's great, and you want it. But if it's not, then his ills are a lot worse than, you know, what they are in games where they're hitting. It's just how long are you going to ride it? And, and to me, I think Alvin has done a nice job of of navigating that, and, and Doug hasn't. Um, but I think the reason Doug hasn't is because they're a depleted team. It's like, what else I think he looks at is what else is, is he going to do? I also, I also don't like the visual. And again, this could be a lot of, I haven't been able to talk to Doug about, about this. Um, but Doug spends a lot of his time away from the bench at midcourt watching everything. The one person that gets to come to talk to him is Jonah Hershey, and they have a discussion. Then they go into their coaches huddle and then he comes to the, to the bench in the timeout and talks to his players. There's not a lot of communication going on with the staff. Um, I don't know why. I it, I don't think it's a great visual. There could be more to it. But Doug spends all his time out at midcourt, and I, I just don't think that's a good look. Okay,
0: so that's a great segue because we're going to get into Doug Christie, the uh, two and three coach of the Kings. Um, and so I get what you're saying. Um, I fully get what you're saying. I, I, I'm going to keep saying this, not to defend him, but to explain that when Luke Walton was fired, the Kings did not replace Alvin Gentry when he stepped into that role. So now you're down one assistant on the staff. Now they promoted uh, um, why am I joking? oh Rico Hines Rico. to the to the front of the bench, but that Rico Hines was already an assistant. They didn't do anything different. So they're down a body. That's my point. And they were
1: also down uh, Jesse Mermis and Rex Kalamian. Um,
0: but they replaced Jesse with Doug and Rex Kalamian with uh, Longabardi. Mike Longabardi. So what I'm talking about in season now, you're down one coach because you fired Luke and you did not replace uh, Alvin's spot when you moved Alvin up, right? Everyone
1: just kind of shuffled up. Yeah.
0: Everyone just, just slid over one, but you left a gap at the end. Now... Alvin Gentry goes out. Doug moves up. Now you're missing two assistants. Mike Longabardi goes out. The the rotation tightens even further. Now you're down three assistants. So you're asking Doug Christie, who literally has been on at that point when he stepped into this role, what was it? 28 games as an assistant coach. And Uh, he hadn't been on an NBA bench since the 06, 07 season. And even that was early in the season. I believe he hasn't been on a bench basically since 2006. And now not only did you give him the job temporarily, but he has no support staff at all. And there's no way to fix that. They could have rushed somebody in and brought in a coach and said, Hey, help Doug out. But Mm -hmm. it, 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 goes to to jonah right and and i don't even know jonah was was jonah back at the bench or was he a front of the bench had uh assistant
1: he was a front of the bench but he's i think he, when he initially came with luke uh to sacramento he began at the back of the bench
0: yeah yeah so um so your front of the bench guys were doug uh alvin Mike Longabardi, and jonah so are you allowed for i thought it was only three either way my point is that Like, Doug doesn't know where to stand because Doug doesn't have anyone telling him, hey, like, we need you over here for a sec to make sure that you're talking to these guys. And, like, there's just, there's so little experience in the guy who's running the team, but also in the group that's supporting the guy who's running the team. Right. All of your experience is gone. Like you have 35 years, in Alvin Gentry, you got eight years or 10 years and Luke Walton, you've got a a ton in Mike Longabardi, like 12, 15 years, whatever it is, all of that's gone. And what's left are relatively inexperienced coaches or guys who are usually development coaches or back of the bench coaches who are, who are coming along. But, you know, even guys like Stacy Ogman or, or Lindsay, uh, Harding, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, all of those guys, uh, like they just haven't had that front of the bench experience where they're actually writing the game plan. They might do some of the scouting uh, but they're not writing the game plan. And so, uh, like, I think that's an issue. Like, I-, I think we saw it specifically in, um, against the golden state warriors when, uh, you know, they ran the box and won against, uh, Tyrese Halliburton and Doug didn't have an answer, um, And, and Ty also didn't have an answer and you didn't have enough guys. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't have enough guys that were there that had an answer. Right. I think at that point, you know, maybe a guy like Harrison Barnes should step up and Mo Harkless should step up and say, Hey, this is what has worked for us in the past in a box and one, why don't we try these things? Um, But that's kind of where we're at. We're at a point where you might need players who are, are more experienced than, than the coaches on, on the bench. Because that's, again, it's where we're at. This team is decimated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll also point out that Ty Lu is a very good X's and O's coach, right?
1: No, he's terrific. Okay. Especially and- with in-game adjustments and, and and all that. I mean, he, he reads a game beautifully. Uh, he manages the game really, really well. And he's, it's, uh, you can say what you will about the Clippers. He's kind of the right guy for the job. He's pretty sensational.
0: What about Steve Kerr? Is he good?
1: I think so, but I also think Steve relies a lot on the experience around him, you know. Okay. I and mean, you've got But how he, many
0: he's got 3 rings? Right. Yeah, and then what about Greg Popovich?
1: Oh, yeah, no, I see what you're doing. No 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 doubt. Yeah, like that was I, I pointed that out to to Doug. I was like Yeah. I know how who, much you your last I know how games. Much, yeah, I, I like I know how much you want to do this and to get a game over Greg Popovich has to be that has yeah. to feel fantastic for anybody trying to become a head coach, and you just want a game over Pop. Um, now, granted, the Spurs aren't what they are, and then you were competitive as hell against the war with the Warriors. Felt like a two possession game for the most for the most of the game. No, I get it. Uh, yeah, I think you it, ran I out think, of gas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these are good moments for uh, for Doug. I get the whole. I'm proud of my team every single time he comes in there. I get it. Um, but at the same time, like there's you know there's going to be growing pains. Spade to spade, like you know there's. Still, still loss is a loss, right? So I two agree. and three, uh, I do think it was, you know, look, I think the Kings would, would love to be one game under 500, right? Like, or, you know, that to me is, is what you show as is, is a goal for the season. If you can finish 500, you're a playoff team. So uh, especially in this West right now, I think 500 right now is a six seed, isn't it? Five uh, or six? Yeah,
0: either five, five or six. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Yeah. Like Denver,
1: I, Denver right now is a 500 team.
0: You know, I'm going to say something to stat muse people uh, that that was did you see that tweet they had about uh, since the Lakers signed Isaiah Thomas or Owen three?
1: I did not. But it, yeah, uh, yeah. 3. I think
0: I think um, uh, Rudy Gay responded like that's some bullshit or something like why would you put that stat out there? I'll also say that the Lakers are I think they're 15 and 15 since they didn't trade for Buddy Heald. I mean, that's LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you go. That's there. There's your stat. I mean, that's that's just as. I mean, good. hey, I the mean, Lakers
1: have not been good. They're an old team. I mean, you look at you're trying to get by with LeBron, who's already on the downside of his career. I mean, LeBron's still phenomenal. I'm not trying to say. I mean, any team would still kill to have LeBron, but the Westbrook thing is is weird. I didn't Carmelo. mean to segue into the Lakers. I, know. I just, I it's I know. just a
0: point. Like, I, I, like I hate that we see these stats that pop up, and maybe that's what people think I'm doing. Like. Picking out stats with Buddy Heald, but the dude has 160 three-point attempts in in the first half of games through the first 32 games. That's not a small sample. Where I mean, he's shooting right. 30% from the field. So, um, yeah, Sean. I, I mean, like, I'm willing to give Doug a little bit more time, but I also know that it's very likely that Doug has coached his last game uh, mm-hmm. this season. That. Alvin Gentry will be back on Sunday. We're not sure about that, but it's very possible. And if I look at the five-game total, and I look at the fact that he had no assistance and no help, um, and then I add in the fact that seven, well, six of his players, even you can even cut back to five of his quote-unquote regulars are gone, including his his numero uno and De'Aaron Fox, but also Marvin Bagley, who is playing very well. Uh, yeah. Terrence Davis, who was playing exceptional when he got sick, uh, you know, like Alex Len was starting at center for a bunch of games because you had Rashawn Holmes out. Like those players were meaningful to this team, mm-hmm. and to not have them and to have an inexperienced coach with an inexperienced staff, just really, I, I, I think that you can't judge him as much to say like, look, you survived it and you didn't go zero five, and because yeah everything would have been gone. Oh, everything was pointing towards zero and five.
1: And most people thought you would go on five. And, and I would say, you know, if you're grading it, you know, you're, he's definitely a passable grade. Um, I'd probably give him yeah. a B plus. Uh, I think that's probably pretty fair being objective. Um, I mean, you know, I both, we on a personal level rooting like hell for the guy, but then if you asked me, okay, did he show enough to, to be considered as a head coach in this league? Sure. Would I, like to see Doug Christie in the mix for a head coaching gig at by next year. No, no, I probably would not.
0: Yeah. I'll why? say this. Like it, it's, well, it's
1: okay. Go ahead. Why? Because I think you can and should do better. Okay. But, I, and that's I think... no slide on Doug. I just think I honestly, and if, if Doug's part of that, that bench or somebody else's bench, great. I think you're lucky to have him, but you know, again, when it comes down to head coaching, it's like, okay, he showed some things. It was nice, but I don't think he's there yet.
0: No, I I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that. I I think it at the least Doug needs to spend the next 50 games learning from Alvin Gentry every single moment. And I know that the guy, he takes notes. I think giving him a taste like this is going to like, it's going to be huge for his development as a coach. It's like giving a guy a handful of starts because you have a couple of injuries. And then he goes back to the bench and he sits there and thinks about, okay, what did I learn? And, you know, Doug said it a couple of times. I haven't even had time to process any of this. I'm just trying to get us through. I'm just trying to survive. Well, I I hope part of the process coming out of it is that, okay, I, I need to lean in to Alvin Gentry for the next, the next four months and learn as much as possible. And if the opportunity comes up this summer, then maybe it's an opportunity that they give him. Maybe it's not, but if nothing else, I know that he will be better prepared after the next 50 games than he was after 28 games as an assistant. And so like, I, I think that there are, there's a lot of uh, a good that can happen here. I think the, the way that the players followed him, um, the energy that they played with, All of those things you could see on the court. They got beat because they weren't a better team. The Mm -hmm. players that they had weren't better. And, and could there have been some coaching differences? Sure. Uh, You know, are there mistakes that were made? Yeah. There was a point where he, I I think he forgot to put in a point guard uh, for like a minute and a half. But again, like he only has one point guard really on that bench. And yeah, so you're trying to manage and you're trying to survive while you're missing half your players. And you don't even have equipment managers to put names on the back of jerseys.
1: Like <laughs> I there's... wanted to, I would, the tragedy too, is like, I, I would have really liked to have seen what he would have done with De'Aaron. Like, would there be any mix? Would there be any change there? Cause obviously we saw a longer lineup and I, and look, he's going to go with the Aaron. I'm not saying he's not, but you know, would we still not see a three guard rotation? Would we still see, you know, more of a traditional point guard two guard? Um, I would have, there's a lot of things I would have, like to have seen what he what he would have done had he had Darren Fox.
0: Well, he had him for one game, and uh, I and Fox was phenomenal. And then, yeah. uh, and but then Doug sat him for most of the fourth quarter and brought him mm-hmm. back like the two and a half minute mark again. Those are things that he he's just there isn't someone there that's helping him put all of the pieces together, or there's not enough of them there. Like, hey, here's our rotation schedule. Like these guys have a rotation schedule; they're all working on it. Now there's like one guy who's been working on the rotation schedule and Jonah who's with Doug and, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, man. I, I think yeah. at the end of the day, they survived. That's all we, we can uh, ask for and to go two and three over the stretch. Hey, you know, I don't, I don't know that anyone else could have done better. Uh, and and I'm sure it could have been much, much worse. Um, all right, Sean, it's time. Oh, the business of basketball so silly we we've been talking about uh like all kinds of craziness but I, I think at some point this season this this last stretch has been so heavy because it's um it's one of the more i mean really it's just bad like there's so much negativity because of the COVID outbreak because of the difficulty of everything that's happening like guys flying in all that stuff so sean and i are gonna have some fun here uh and we're gonna talk about christmas because uh christmas is two days away and uh to me like i, I like i don't want to be uh non-inclusive here whatever holidays you you uh you celebrate that's you know we we're happy for you we're not uh this is sean and i just happened to celebrate Christmas. So we're going to talk about Christmas and uh, we'll start with this, Sean. What are your three top Christmas movies?
1: Mm, Top three. That's really hard to bring down to top three, but I'm going to piss people off with one of them because I know a lot of people don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, but it is. It is. I love Die Hard. It's probably not my favorite, uh, but I love Die Hard. I watch it every Christmas. It's like
0: top five. It's top five.
1: It has to be in there has to be in there um i'm a uh, this is where it gets weird because i i I love kind of the raunchy uh humor Uh, if you guys know me that's not really like a stretch um so i became a big fan of office christmas party when it was released with jason bateman um uh, jennifer aniston i mean it is a really funny movie uh i think people would enjoy it not a traditional christmas movie so but I, i do put those in there uh, I'm a big fan of Love Actually. I think that movie is fantastic. If you haven't seen it, I definitely have it in a Christmas movie. But the more traditional Christmas movie, I got to go Elf, man. Just seeing seeing Will Ferrell get hit by a taxi and the way he is in that movie, and uh, I'm a huge SNL fan. It's I, it kills me every single time. I will never see that movie and not laugh. So I think I gave you four. I don't know the rankings, but those are my those are kind of my four.
0: Okay, so. um elf have you watched uh, the movies that made us
1: on elf i didn't i have not seen, i know oh. that they've made it but i have not seen that oh wait no i did yeah you're right no i didn't see that one yet
0: it is absolutely phenomenal phenomenal because um uh i you know will ferrell was he was doing old school at the same time um but he had never starred in a major motion picture like as the star he'd done like the night of a night at the roxbury
1: um, had he done, I think he'd done old school by then, right? No, no,
0: old school and uh, and Elf came out the same exact time. Same, but even time. still, okay. he's not the star. Of, no, I mean no. he ends up taking over as the star in the movie because you're laughing so hard at Frank the Tank, but he's not the star. So, like you should watch the the movies that made us on it. It's absolutely spectacular because they had a bunch of issues with, like they stole all the costume design and everything directly from. Um, what is it? Uh, from Rudolph, uh, the old. No, you know what? I have
1: seen this now. I have seen this now. I was I was. It's in the same collection as like Home Alone, which I know a lot of people put as their favorite Christmas movie. But no, yeah, Yeah. because like John Favreau didn't John Favreau do it?
0: Yeah, well, it's John Favreau's first directing. Oh no, no, he had done Swingers, uh, or. Uh, what is uh? Well, he wrote.
1: He wrote. Did he direct Swingers? I know he wrote. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, but.
0: I think. I think he did. Like him and Vince yeah. Vaughn had that little moment there. So, yeah. So that's phenomenal. So I love Buddy. Uh, I so I, I love Elf. Um, I love A Christmas Story. Uh, mm. and and then I, I think my my third favorite. I like Christmas Vacation. Oh, I yeah. swear every time you watch it there i mean you know like even like the the little stuff that happens in that movie uh, is just absolutely spectacular it's brilliant. no
1: it's yeah brilliant.
0: and it's still it holds up so incredibly well like if you have in-laws uh it's like as soon as the the doorbell rings it's like ding dong and then ding, ding dong, dong. <laughs> you know like every single moment what's your favorite
1: movie. moment from that movie because i have one that's unbelievably it's probably not everybody's favorite but it's it there's a moment in there which just kills me every single time
0: well i'll say one of my like
1: mine's uh, not obvious it's very subtle
0: yeah uh so cousin eddie like he cracks me up and he's just absolutely brilliant uh randy quaid right right um the scene where they're walking through the grocery store or or through like a target and he keeps stacking on bags of dog food right even though he has no money and then he he uh you know clark says you know what do you got for the kids for christmas and he's like, you know we coasted into town on fumes and you know and then and then uh clark says hey uh we'll um you know we'll, we we want to buy your christmas for you and, and then he gets to the end and he's like, well, Clark. And then he's got a whole list already. And Clark, you know, I want you to get something nice for yourself. That's one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Unbelievable.
1: My favorite one is when they're walking around the living room. It's Tim and Chevy Chase. And they're just like, he, he's basically catching them up on, on all the stuff that's gone wrong for him over the past few years. And he walks up to like this mobile that looks like it's going to spin. <laughs> and he just flicks it and completely shatters it to hell. And like... <laughs> He just looks at it and goes, ah, takes a drink of the eggnog and keeps walking away. And then like Chevy Chase is trying to put the goddamn thing back together again. And he can't figure it out. It is brilliant. It is such a brilliant scene. But just the way he walks up to it, looks at it and just flicks it and it just shatters. And he just goes, ah, you know, just whatever. It absolutely slays me every single Even, time. Even like the, the, the super
0: old lady and they they it's like excuse me and she goes oh did i pass gas clark <laughs> and, the, old and man knows, husband, did the room clear out no. did, the, did the room clear out bethany um uh, yeah like uh, my wife and i we we laugh so hard every single time and that and you know like he's he's literally dumping toxic fumes down it's not the sewage he's putting it down a storm drain uh <laughs> right. ah, shitter's full right. you know um yeah so that, I think it's, that's, it's so high on my list. Um, it might be number one, but again, Elf is, is spectacular. Uh, absolutely spectacular. I Like, and, and we, we watch the Home Alone movies every year too. Mm-hmm. Um, but only the first two, anything after two is just shameful and shouldn't be on there at all. Um It's just, I, I can't believe that they've done that and created these alternative uh, um, Home Alones. So, um, and then, okay so that's that's our movies uh like my top three is probably it's probably elf and then uh christmas vacation and then christmas story um and my dad's name is ralph so it's like ralphie, oh, ralphie yeah. yeah and my son has like the pink bunny outfit my oldest like like he has an adult size the big uh pink bunny outfit that that ralphie's handsome he
1: looks like a pink nightmare
0: <laughs> that's right he looks like a <laughs> Bup kisses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. And then Sean, uh, what's the the greatest Christmas gift you ever got? I, I'm going to say as a, as a child, because. As a child. Yeah. Like, be, like you can't say something you got for yourself. And, uh, and, you know, like, I, I don't know. I've got some amazing gifts from my wife over the years, but like as a young person, what was your favorite gift?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I can tell you that it had you know, not for y'all to feel sorry for me, but we never, we weren't known for getting great gifts at Christmas time. Uh, but I will say probably the PlayStation two, like when I ended up getting PlayStation two, um, I, I got I got it, or maybe it was no, nah, probably the, I don't, I didn't get, play, I actually bought the PlayStation two myself. So I think it was the PlayStation PlayStation, the first PlayStation we got, uh, we got it like two years after everyone else had it. So, um, but yeah, I, that, that was probably the best. I remember I'm, I'm old enough to wear James, um, well, I know you're older than me, which makes me feel, feel, feel good. But uh, I remember we were uh, living in an apartment and uh, I, I did get the NES system with Super Mario Brothers. Wow. Now I'm four years old, but I still remember this. And uh, I remember they got it that year. Uh, and and my, my mother's husband and my uncle Ended up playing it the entire. I just got to watch. I could never really play it for the first, however long. Uh, But yeah, it was. It was. uh, They spent. They stayed up all night trying to beat that damn thing, and (laughs) it was. I was right there with them, so it was kind of fun. So yeah, it probably came back to video games. Um, But yeah, we didn't. We didn't get a lot of great gifts, but those are probably the two that probably stick out the most.
0: Uh, I I got an Atari Twenty Six Hundred, so I'll I'll even date myself more than Sean, Mm. Um, and that was cool, but. A couple of years later, uh, my friends had uh, had started doing Commodore 64s. So me and my brother had uh, like in the back, like a magazine, you could pick out like packages and we had told our parents that we wanted a Commodore 64, but it was expensive and we weren't rich kids at all. Like we, my dad is a construction worker. So um, we got, to Christmas and there were two big giant boxes under the tree. And so we thought, well, maybe we got him. Well, one was for me. And one was for my brother. My brother's only 15 months old with me. So we opened them and it was sleeping bags and we were so bummed out. <laughs> so we're like, Oh, sleeping bags, but you can't be that way. So we, you know, played it off. Sure. You like can't fits
1: socks and underwear, throw a tantrum.
0: So right at the last second, my my mom said, Oh, I think we've got one more thing. And they wheeled out, I mean, it, it ended up being like four boxes because it came with like like not even a daisy pinwheel. It was the next one after the day, but the laser printer where if you like like accidentally brush the paper with your fingernail, it scratched the paper. And it didn't have lines, so you had to like tear. It came in a spool, and you had to like, tear the paper up. <laughs> so if you did like a report for school, it would take like an hour to print. But then after that, you had to like tear it off very carefully and hope that you didn't like like chingus the bottom of your of mm. your piece of paper. And so, anyway, yeah that that was probably the best. At Commodore sixty four, and you know because you got to play video games nonstop and and then have those the the big giant floppy disks that. You know, oh, those are,
1: those yeah. are, those are something.
0: Fourth and inches. That's what we play it all the time. Fourth and inches and hardball. Yeah. So, that,
1: wow. Yeah. You're not that much older than me, and I have no idea what those are. So, well, that's I mean, a, you know,
0: Tecmo Super Bowl, right?
1: I remember that. Tecmo yeah. Bowl.
0: yeah. That's like one of the greatest games ever. Yeah. Fourth and inches and hardball. Actually, uh, hardball. If you've ever watched Princess Bride, um, mm-hmm. which I know that you have, that's what he's playing when his grandpa comes in the room. He's playing hardball oh. on the, on the television. So it was, it was a baseball game. That was, it was fun. You could create, well, fourth and inches, you could create your own players. That's what it was the first time, but your players still look the same. <laughs> you, you, it didn't matter if you made him like seven feet tall. No, he was still this big, still the same, yeah, still the same on the screen. So yeah. Uh, anyway, um, Sean, do you have any final thoughts?
1: I do. Uh the blowing in the cartridge of an of a Nintendo 85 or NES. I don't think it ever worked, but everyone did it and then it worked. Like people say that it never worked. I think it worked. I think there was something to that.
0: Yeah, and I, my best friend got a <laughs> Sega Genesis uh like Those the are first time. Yeah, Love with Genesis. the the like the the flight simulator one, which is what like was big. That was always nuts. And we didn't have that. We didn't we I I didn't even get a Nintendo. I never had a like a Nintendo, like, what was it? The Nintendo 64, like the the big gray box with the flip-up. Oh, blade. yeah.
1: The only reason you needed 64 was because of GoldenEye. That game was great.
0: Or Contra. I love playing Contra. I had a friend who had one, and we would play. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, Oh, S- you button.
1: mean the regular NES? I was thinking of the N64. Did N64 have Contra? I don't know. No,
0: no. I Well, yeah, I think it did, but I meant the original Nintendo.
1: The original, original Contra yeah. was that was dope i like that
0: yeah it was awesome so all right well um happy holidays everyone uh whatever you celebrate enjoy it yeah. uh enjoy it with family if you don't celebrate it uh that's fine just look out the window and look at your neighbors celebrating it and, and have some joy for their celebration um i'm making prime rib for christmas day Ooh. you, you do anything special
1: uh i am i'm go- i'm going to uh safely meet with some family i don't know what they're making i know i'm no part of it so That means Sean gets to clean up, which I'm always happy to do because I don't, I get kicked out of the kitchen. So I want to help out in some way. So I'll definitely clean up. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, I know they had prime rib for Thanksgiving, which will get me started. I think we talked about that. Uh, You know, you don't have turkey on Thanksgiving. That's just a travesty. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're making, but I'm looking forward to it for sure. And hopefully, hopefully it's a nice little precursor to get ready for the week ahead. Cause what four home games in six nights
0: oh great during (laughs) during a during a global pandemic four games in six nights (laughs) we don't even have the turn of the
1: right before the turn of the new year
0: that's right and then we even have a new year's eve game um and luca's in health and safety protocols which you know maybe they they moved up everything and luca will be back but there's also a possibility that the kings play i think dallas twice right um in the span of a couple of days they back to back yeah so we have no idea if luca will be there or not um all right well that's going to do it for this edition of the uh the king speed podcast thanks for sticking with us uh we hope that you're enjoying what we're doing we're having a good time whether you are or not uh <laughs> messing with each so other Selfishly, we're having <laughs> fun yeah we're having a good time um uh, be safe out there uh, make sure to subscribe to the King's Beat. Uh, do a paid subscription if you can. Give it to yourself for Christmas. You know, there you there, go. There it is. There's your Christmas gift. Um, the Happy Hour is coming, uh, January 6th. Yeah, that it is. Yeah, and, and we're excited about that. I th- we're gonna add a, a guest. We're gonna add it. That's, uh, I'll I'll figure out something and we'll add somebody to to the docket with us. Uh, but we're having a good time with this, and we hope you are too. So for Sean Cunningham, I am James Ham. Merry Christmas from the Kings Beat. Uh, we'll see you next week.